Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. We've got a special midweek edition, Tuesday edition actually, of the Peristyle Podcast. We want to give you a preview of USC Fresno State, the season opener for USC 2014. we got some unique guys going to be coming on the show. Since if you guys don't know this, uh, when I was at Rivals, no one was running the Fresno State Rivals site. I ended up taking that over and running that. And Josh Webb, who's going to join us in the first segment, helped me do that. And now that I'm over at Scout, I'm actually taking over. I've taken over the Scout Fresno State site. We've brought the old name back, thebarkboard.com. So it should be cool. Barkboard.com, not thebarkboard.com. And we have Jackson Moore, who's been a, a longtime writer over there, going to join us a little bit later on the show as well. These guys have been to fall camp. They know what's going on. They talk to the players. They talk to the coaches. So I thought it would be great to get these guys on the Peristyle Podcast, a great resource. Let USC fans know What's going on with this Fresno State program? So let's bring in Josh Webb. You can find him on Twitter at Fight on Twist. What's up, Josh? How you doing? Ah, you know I'm I'm having an exciting day following the uh, <laughs> the goings on on Twitter. Obviously, with uh, Mr. Josh Shaw, he's sort of occupying both our lives right now. It certainly has. It's been a long day. We meant to do this a little earlier in the day, uh, but yes, <laughs> Josh Shaw going down. I guess the the main thing for this game, we're going to find out, you know, everything that's going on, these crazy stories. We you can check out uscfootball.com and even stuff on barkboard.com. They got a lot of talk about this going on the message boards, but we'll have all the latest stuff we have when posting it on uscfootball.com. But for this game, uh, you're talking about a team that's probably going to be slinging the ball all over the field, Josh. So having Josh Shaw not out there, it, it's got to be encouraging for Fresno State. Well, the other thing it does is it sort of redirects some of that traffic that USC has to funnel on defense. All of a sudden, Chris Hawkins moves from sort of being that lockdown nickel option for USC to being thrust into that corner option, which he's obviously perfectly capable of running. But that now brings in, as you've noted on Twitter, that Adoree Jackson probably now steps in there. Now, everybody knows what he can do, but once he's out there under the bright lights of the Coliseum, can he do it on game day is going to be the story. I know Dan Weber's talked about that. I know you've mentioned it. And it's one of those things that Sark just talked about on Trojans Live. You know, there are these guys that they got to see out there at the Coliseum, see how they operate uh, when the lights are on. But you have to think that that Tim DeRuder or Mike McIntyre is looking at this saying, you know, uh, you know, no Josh Shaw out there who probably was the thorn, the biggest thorn in the side of Fresno State in that Las Vegas Bowl. I mean, Ron, Ron Antoine, Fresno State's wide receiver coach, was on the sideline giving the what's up to, you know, I mean, Devontae Adams and Isaiah Burst, who are likely going to make NFL rosters, you know, giving them the what's up because Shaw was working them over that they needed to be more physical. And now all of a sudden this guy's out of the game. Yeah. I think DeRuiter will take that. I like the Mac, the, uh, the, the, the McIntyre reference in there. I don't Maybe you can explain what was going on with that. People might not know. 
Apparently, you know, Sarkeesian's given his press conference and they, you know, they asked him pretty much the same questions that Deruder has been getting asked on his side of things. You know, what's changed and and, you know, what's going to be different about this Fresno State team? And, and Sarkeesian says, well, you know, Mike McIntyre hasn't let me in there the last 30 days to watch the practice, obviously trying to reference Fresno State's head coach, but instead name dropped the uh, I believe he's Colorado's head coach. Yes. So, um yeah, oh, poor, poor Deruder. Uh, but Fresno State fans have had fun with it, and now they're calling him Coach Kardashian. So I... <laughs> that's good stuff. I like that. That's, that's a good. You know, there's some uh, some witty guys that, that that follow Fresno State football, which is great, and you get to kind of interact with them, which has hopefully been a lot of fun for you. But what? So I want to talk about this team, and I think USC fans, most of them are going to know that USC plays Stanford the second game of the year. They got to play Fresno State, who they you know beat up pretty good in the Las Vegas Bowl. It's going to be a different team. Derek Carr is like is supposed to start for the Raiders. He might end up being the the regular starter because Matt Schaub's pretty terrible. Um, you mentioned a couple of the receivers that are gone. The tight end is gone. There's, they lose a lot on offense, but it's still a very. If you look at the roster, it's still a very upperclassman offensive roster. So there's still some guys with experience there. But what what can USC fans expect to see from this Fresno State team on offense? It's going to look completely different. They don't even have a starting quarterback name yet. Yeah, I think first and foremost, one of the biggest things that USC fans can expect to see is mobility. Now, I know Carr took off there, I think, in the uh, in the Las Vegas Bowl once or twice, maybe out of necessity more than anything else. But um, that's not really what Schramm wants to do. He wants to have a more mobile option. And Dave Schramm is the offensive coordinator at Fresno State. He wants to have a guy out there that can that can make decisions, take what the defense gives him, and if it's not there, pick it up with his legs, particularly in the red zone. And I think that having a mobile quarterback probably would have helped Fresno State uh, there in the Las Vegas Bowl, particularly down there in the red zone. But I also think that offensively, one thing that USC fans can expect is that this is going to be a much more physical team on the offensive line than I think they were last year. Lars Bramer's gone at the center position, and Coach Norcross has talked about how having Bonaheim there at the center spot gives him a little bit more punch off the ball. He feels like they can really get that push and that pop in those third and short situations that eluded Fresno State last year. And I think that while maybe USC fans didn't get to, to see it outside of context, it really was something that bothered Fresno State fans for most of the year. And ideally, Norcross thinks that that'll be solved headed into this game. But we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, that's, to me... You, you know, you're talking about, like, if you talk about like, the two quarterbacks, I really think Josh Quezada and, and Martez Waller are going to be a key part of this game because I think if you're Fresno State, you got, you got a better defense. We'll talk about the defense a little bit. You have a, a USC offense that could be confused as running a new scheme. I mean, there's some chances there to disrupt this USC offense. If you can keep it close and control the clock a little bit, you're not used to seeing, you know, you're used to seeing Fresno State throw the ball 70 times, but. I think if you can get the running game going with Kazada or Waller, that could really help this Fresno State offense. Yeah, and I'm sure Jackson, you know, you're going to have him on in the second segment. He'll touch on Dontel James. Be sure to ask him about James's performance in spring and leading up into fall. Okay. And really, honestly, it was disappointing, sort of. There, there were positives and negatives to, to Kurt Scobie, who was an incoming freshman out of Monrovia, three-star kid. Had some great issues. Otherwise, I think he would have gone. at Now, after seeing Kurt Scobie in person and what he can do, I am damn positive he would have gone to a, another university if he hadn't had those looming great issues. But this kid 
was just so impressive in the spring game. And at the very, very end of this thing, at the end of this scrimmage that they're running, excuse me, in fall camp, not spring. Um, yeah, there's a little play up the gut. And one of their two, actually, of their incoming freshmen, Xavier Olutu, linebacker, middle linebacker, held up Scoby and Michael Lazarus, uh, another middle linebacker, he came over and cleaned up the play and it leveled probably one of the most severe cushions that I've ever witnessed. And I've been around combat sports. It was a really scary sight. But the loss of Scoby, I think, would have been it. It's really key in this game, Ryan. And, and it sort of echoes your point and makes it that much stronger that now it really does come down to Kazada and Waller because that sort of excitement, that infusion of talent that had been there was instantaneously taken away from them just as soon as they realized what they had. Yeah, and I think for if you look at this, you know, the the roster, it's all juniors and seniors, at least the the two deep uh, on offense. There, you know, you got uh, you know Josh Harper's a senior wide receiver. Damari Scott is a sophomore. He's like the only underclassman that's scheduled that looks like he'll be a starter for this team right now, which is kind of interesting. But a guy like Scobie would be someone that Tim DeRuiter can, you know, put his stamp on things. So you've seen a lot of the people that are playing for for Tim DeRuiter's successful teams have been guys that were recruited by Pat Hill. So I think he was one of those players that could come in. You get a true freshman running back come in and start lighting things up. I think that's he had a, 94 yards. I didn't mean to cut you off. He had 94 yards in the scrimmage. Yeah. He was the scrimmage's leading rusher, and it was <laughs> offset by this awful, awful concussion at the end of it. And you're like, crap. Yeah. But but that would be a feather in Tim DeRuiter's cap. We want to see some of those guys come in mm. and contribute, some of the guys that he recruited. And this would have been a, a, key, a key one for, for him to happen, for that to happen. Yeah, it really would have been something to see. And now they're going to have to rely on, on a guy like Dontel James to maybe give him that second look. Now, I maintain, and I, I, I don't, Jackson has, has, you know, we've talked about this, that I feel like Kazada is more of a fullback thrust into a running back role. But all of the guys have looked fairly well in spring and in fall. So it'll really be how he looks on game day. The problem that I had with Fresno State's pop last year is that I never felt like, the, the play felt like it took too long to develop in the backfield for me. You never really saw a guy hit the hole and hit it hard. And I think that this year, when I was watching them in fall, Dontel James had that burst out of the hole and Scobie gave it to him immediately. That kid hit a hole and he was gone on the run. And we have that up on Barkboard, his 68 yard run where he just burned everybody. He made, you know, upperclassmen DBs look foolish on that run. <laughs> and it was just gone in, in, you know, two plays later. And, uh, and so it, now it's really up to those guys. Yeah, for sure it is. And uh, well, I, I wanted to talk about the quarterbacks too. So if people don't know, uh, I got to, I didn't get to come to fall camp, unfortunately, but during the spring, uh, Brian Burrell looked to me, looked like he was the, the winner of the job, but, Brandon Kinnett, who was a uh, quarterback that transferred in. Dan Weber kind of says that he's probably the only Duke graduate that went to Fresno State for grad, for grad school, which I know it's very possible. I'm not sure. It's probably happened before, though. But Brandon Kinnett comes in, 6'2", 210-pound or so senior. He's going to have his last year uh, at Fresno State. They've had a quarterback battle. USC fans have seen this before last year between Cody Kessler and Max Wittick. And I don't know if something changed today at practice, Josh, but it looks like those two guys are still battling it out and there's not really a starter named. Yeah, but unlike the situation with last year, this is really a situation. Uh, it's what I, I, you know, I said on air with Tony D, our friend at 940 ESPN up there in Fresno. I, I said, unless 
there is a level that Burrell has in fall camp that we don't know about. I think Kinnett's going to win this. Well, guess what? Burrell had the level that we didn't know about. And all it took was the infusion of Kilton Anderson and Brandon Kinnett to light the fire under this kid. It brought out things that we hadn't seen. All of a sudden, he's playing with more urgency. He's he's really grasped onto the leadership angle. He's taking control of the offense. He doesn't turn the ball over. And these guys have turned it into not only a friendship off the field, but a competition on and off the field. Jackson and I were up there right after that scrimmage that we're talking about. And, and Burrell and Kinnett were sitting there doing Rochambeau to decide which one of them to got to talk to us first. <laughs> and, and, and that's the, that, I mean, that's where this competition's at. And they have a thing called the stash brigade. Um, you know, only quarterbacks so far, they have a couple prospects. They said uh, other guys, but you know, these quarterbacks have really bonded on this and brought out the best in each other. And so while there seems to be this sort of, hesitancy around naming a starter it's not typically for the reasons that go with a guy holding off on naming a starter i legitimately think we've reached a point where deruder has no option to put these guys in front of live bullets that are not their own guys and see what happens it's really i i think that's his only choice uh what about zach greenley like usc fans might be familiar with him because he was a highly ranked guy he was a elite 11 quarterback who a lot of people thought could come in and, and contribute right away uh, but it didn't look like he played all that well in the spring when I saw him. wanted to see what he's done this fall and if he was in the mix at all. You know, unfortunately, when we were out there covering the scrimmage, Jack Greenlee didn't play due to uh, he, he had something going on with his knee. Um, but from what we've seen of Zach Greenlee in the fall, it just, I, you know, honestly, I think Kilton Anderson's ahead of him already. Um, and that's just the unfortunate truth. I think that he's a true really, freshman for if people. Don't know, yeah, yeah. For people who don't know, Kilton Anderson's a, a true freshman came over. And this is a guy, Kilton Anderson, by the way, who ran the beer down in Florida until his junior year. And then his dad uprooted him to Sammamish, Washington to replace Max Brown at Skyline USC, Max Brown, Kilton Anderson was his replacement. So this guy moved basically across country and got lost in the shuffle. And I feel he's a lot better than his talent and star rating suggested, but he came in and, and, and he was already ahead of Greenlee, in my opinion, on the depth chart, at least in understanding this offense. I think what it really comes down to, Ryan, is that for Greenlee, this offense is no longer really suited to what he does best. I think you'll end up seeing him transfer out, maybe look for a program like Sacramento State. I think it'd be wonderful if he stuck around. I know DeRuiter would want him to, but I don't expect him, especially now with where Burrell's at, if he doesn't win this year, it would seem like he's almost a, a lock for next year, unless we enter into a Kilton Anderson, Brian Burrell situation. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. And I see, okay. So USC fans need to realize that this, and you maybe not, you might disagree with me, but this Fresno state defense is going to be a lot of, you know, much improved over what you saw last year. Uh, you saw during the season for Fresno state and you saw in the Las Vegas bowl, and I think there's some similarities to be between USC and Fresno State. There really are like a, a, a upperclassman leader in each state, at each level of this defense on the line, at linebacker, at safety. I mean, you got Deron Smith, and he's just been a, you know all world type of player. But maybe talk about a couple of those guys and kind of what you think is going to be different about this this Fresno State defense facing USC. Oh, I, you know, I'm not only am I going to not disagree with you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, this defense really, I mean, there's so much more 
in terms of similarities between them and USC this year. If you look at a guy like Tyler Davison, who played the, the nose tackle position for Fresno State primarily last year, he's been sort of bouncing back and forth between the three and the one. And he's, you know, he's, he's had success at both. It's just that Fresno State's been experimenting with what works for them in their three-man front. They pretty much got their linebacker rotation set, but all they've really done in the offseason is bolster the talent, as we said, with guys like Alutu and Lazarus. The main difference for this Fresno State defense is they actually have cornerbacks this year helping them. Last year when USC got to them, they were basically playing picked-over dudes and walk-ons at that point. Like, Fresno State could have put me out there <laughs> and may have had better results, you know? And Curtis Riley, who, by the way, you know, basically got destroyed all season last year. Marcus Woodson, the, the secondary coach, the newly hired secondary coach, when he came over, he said the very first job that he had, that he took upon himself, was to restore the confidence and swagger of that secondary and now instead of having just Jordan Peterson back there coaching sort of the DBs, the safeties and everybody, they have a dedicated defensive back coach and Marcus Peterson who play, or excuse me, Marcus Woodson who plays extremely aggressive and allows his guys to do what they do best. And I think that when you look at USC and, and sort of the, the, the guys that they have playing receiver, there are some opportunities I think for them to disrupt things off the ball. George Farmer, you know, he's he hasn't really tested that knee. We've got to make sure that he can get through a game, let alone a healthy season. You know, Nelson Aguilar has been that staple, but USC's had a real problem in the past couple of years of keeping the number one receiver healthy when it's sort of his turn to take over that role. If you look at Marquise Lee, he couldn't do it. He couldn't stay healthy. Robert Woods, when it was his turn, he couldn't do it, couldn't stay healthy. Is that curse going to hit uh, Nelson Aguilar? You hope not. But Fresno State, I think they're going to play a hell of a lot more physical than they did. And DeRuiter said that he just plain did not get them believing that they could hit these guys. This year, they don't care. They're going to hit USC, and if they take someone out along the way, they're not going to do it maliciously or intentionally. But if they take someone out along the way, oh, well, them's the bees. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know, there's a lot of experience coming back on this defense. I mean, you're looking at like the line it's it's all juniors and seniors basically. I mean, I think uh, uh Brian Harper uh, at corner is a sophomore, but you know, it depends who starts there. I guess uh, uh Corey Ferguson could start. He's a junior. Um but you know, it's all up and down. It's all juniors and seniors and like a, a sophomore or two mixed in within within the order somewhere. So, it's a very you know, upperclassman-laden team on offense and defense that USC is going to face. So with all the distractions that could be coming out with the Josh Shaw, USC has to be ready. This is not going to be a cakewalk game. If they don't come out and play well, Fresno State's certainly capable of winning this game. Yeah, and, and more importantly, I think Fresno State just wants to find that they can I, this is going to be redundant the way that I phrased it, but they just want to find themselves in this game. And, and the more confidence that they're able to build early on, this is a team that believes in each other. This is a team that believes in what they can do. And I know all teams say that, but Ryan, you've been around the program. You know the kind of, of family atmosphere they have going on there in Fresno. And anytime you, you can generate an authentic environment like that, I think you get that I'm going to go to war for these guys and die for them. And, and when you have that mentality, that's when upsets happen. 
That's how Boise State was able to take down Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. That's how Utah was able to take down Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, that's how that's how these things happen. When you have distractions, and I'm not saying it's as bad as it was against Georgia Tech in that Sun Bowl, but when you do have distractions, it allows for the previously unthinkable to happen. And that's what USC has to try to prevent on Saturday. I want to get your thoughts, though, on how the game's going to go before we let you go. What? How do you see this? playing out do you think it's going to be a close one do you think it's going to be a blowout like what do you feel this what's going to happen this game well first and foremost i feel like usc is playing around with some things on the offensive line they have some guys in there with Loeb and Don mama and um even zach banner who have no real i don't want to say substance to to their starts or but yeah i mean you get what i mean here these are guys that are just sort of stepping into this offense and this scheme for the first time everybody's learning it together and fresno state's a very aggressive and well thought out defense so i think toth is going to be able to take nick toth their defensive coordinator is going to be able to take some chances with that defense he's going to be able to gamble with as you said a, a veteran upperclassman laden defense when you have a guy back there like deron smith who's already taken cody kessler to the house <laughs> that guy you know we, when you have plays like that that energized fresno state at that point when he took that pass back to the house that lit a fire under fresno i mean it was extinguished not too much later but that guy sort of is the battery for that defense and if and if he has them believing that they're in this thing and, and they can generate that pressure, I think it gives Fresno State a chance. But on the flip side of that, if it is Brandon Kinnett or Brian Burrell, either one of these guys is going to be making their first, you know, I, I'm the guy start at the L.A. Coliseum. You know, I, I mean, it doesn't really get much bigger than that. It, you know, they've, they've, you've got to practice for that environment. DeRuder has been, but it's just not the same thing. Yeah. So... Brandon Kinnett has already shown that he has the ability to make mistakes. It's sort of why I think DeRuder's leaning towards Burrell because he's got that Nick Foles type. He's going to take some maddening sacks, but he's not going to turn the ball over. And I think that if they can play that way on offense, they can keep it close. My prediction is somewhere in the 34-24 range with USC coming out on top. But I don't think it's going to be the blowout that everyone thinks, you know, they have Fresno State going down in flames. And I do think that this Fresno State team is going to put on a show that says the team you saw in the Las Vegas Bowl, that wasn't us. We weren't playing with the same swagger. This is the real us. And I think they'll keep it respectable. All right. Well, that's great stuff, Josh. We appreciate you coming on the Peristyle podcast, talking about Fresno State. We want to do a little preview midweek and uh, talk about what's going on with the game. There'll be all kinds of stuff with Josh Shaw coming up. We want to talk about the football game, too. So we really appreciate that. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, sir. All right, everyone else. Hey, back in just a second, we're going to talk to another guy that writes for the Bark Board, writes for FresnoStateScout.com. Jackson Moore, great stuff. He's been covering the team for the last couple of years. We're going to pick his brain about this USC Fresno State game. You are listening to the Peristyle Podcast from Los Angeles, California. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com. 
it's time to get back to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. We're back on the Peristyle Podcast. We got Jackson Moore from Barkboard.com. He's part of the Scout Network, doing a great job up there. He's been covering the team the last couple of years. Actually, a senior at Fresno State, and uh, we're we really happy to have him on the show and share some of his insights, what's going on to this USC Fresno State game. Jackson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Not a problem, not a problem. Now, you've been covering this team for a couple of years. You got to see Derek Carr, uh, you know, through the glory days. Someone's got to replace him. And uh, I think USC fans don't know who it's going to be. Fresno State fans don't know who it's going to be. So maybe you can kind of talk about that quarterback battle a little bit because I know Trojan fans experienced that last year with Max Wittick and uh, Cody Kessler going through it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Fresno State's still looking for a replacement for Derek Carr. And right now they have two replacements, which is not a, a, the best thing always, as USC fans saw last year at, at times. Um, Brian Burrell was the returner uh, out of Bakersfield College. Uh, he he was the leading quarterback in the spring and didn't very, really wow the, the coaches at all. And they brought in Brandon Kinnett from Duke University as a graduate transfer to kind of be the guy. And they've both stepped up and neither has separated at all. And as far as what the coaches are telling us, one of those guys is going to start and the other is going to come in in the second quarter on Saturday. And what? then they'll kind of go from halftime what to do after that. Kind of figure it out after the halftime. What what have the, the players, I'm sure it's a big topic uh, of conversation, like what have the other players kind of said about this? Yeah, they, they've been supportive of both guys. They're both uh, very well liked in the locker room. And they're both kind of similar quarterbacks. They they can they're both pretty mobile. Both have decent arms. So I don't think there's really a, a big camp for one guy or the other. They know that both the guys are capable of handling the offense pretty similarly. And uh, just either guy, I think they're going to be satisfied with. All right. Um, well, as far as the the offense goes, I think if you talked about Fresno State last year, you talked about Derek Carr, and they had a whole bunch of really good receivers to throw to. I wanted to kind of get an update on what's going on with the receivers because, you know, that you get you lose some guys to the NFL. Uh, you still got uh, some names that people you know might recognize. I, you know, if you if anyone's watched Josh Harper play, he's just really fun to watch. Uh, but what's the receiver situation like for Fresno State right now? Yeah, it's interesting with Josh Harper because he's one guy that Fresno State fans know all about. He had a great season last year, but he didn't play in that bowl game, so. I'm sure a lot of USC fans didn't get to see him last year, but he'll be back. Uh, he had a lot of rehabbing to do over the offseason, but he's expected to be at full speed on Saturday. But outside of Josh Harper, there was really a, a lot of unknowns. The Bulldogs lost Devontae Adams, Isaiah Burris, and uh, Marcel Jensen as well. And we've, there's kind of been two guys that have really stepped up to replace them over the fall so far, and those two guys are Aaron Peck and Damari Scott. Aaron Peck did play in the bowl game. He's a 6'3 guy. He's got a, a lengthy frame, and he can go up and be a possession guy. But uh, he didn't impress too much in that bowl game. He, it was one of his first appearances, and he's really improved since then. The other guy, Damari Scott, is a sophomore. He uh, did not redshirt. He was a true freshman last year and really didn't get a lot of snaps behind all those uh, Adams and Burst and all those guys. But he is uh, very impressive so from what we've seen so far, and he looks to be the guy. He's from Cathedral High School down there in L.A., so it'll be a, quite a, a career start or a, a first start for him down there. Yeah, and, certainly. Uh, that, Probably got a lot yeah. of people a lot of people watching him from his hometown. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the other interesting thing is that those three guys are all outside receivers. And it appears the coaches have kind of come to the conclusion that those are their best three guys, and they're just going to throw them all in the field at once. And Aaron Peck's probably going to be that guy that can slide into the slot. And uh, one other guy to look for for sure is a uh, guy, Kendrick Williams. He's a graduate transfer from Texas A&M, and he's he did, he didn't have a lot of impressive stats over with the Aggies, but he's been one of the better players in the slot, and should expect to see him quite a bit on Saturday. That slot receiver spot was deadly for Fresno State last year. Derek Carr loved it. Isaiah Burst, if you never got to watch him play, man, was he fun to watch. Just made so many plays. So it's kind of, I mean, f- to, for them not to have like a true slot guy just seems like that's a position you should be able to recruit pretty readily. It's, it's interesting that there, there's not really a true guy on this team. Yeah, that's right. And like the other three guys behind Kendrick Williams that you see are all players that have switched positions to be slot receivers they're not even that's not their true position they're just big time athletes that are kind of coming in there you got guys uh, Greg Watson Miles Carr who are both quarterbacks that are playing in the slot behind Williams and you also have Dylan Root who's actually going to be suspended on Saturday so Trojan fans don't have to worry about him at all but yeah the slot is not uh, they're in a better situation right now than we saw in spring with they moved a lot of guys but still uh, not nearly the type of talent with those three outside guys yeah, there's, it's funny. There's two former quarterbacks that are playing receiver. Uh, Greg Watson, who's actually from Southern California, too, and is best buddies with uh, Randall Telfer, who's the USC tight end. And, you know, we didn't see – we saw some Greg Watson last year. He made some plays and, and got some big touchdowns there, but wasn't like a consistent performer. He'd have some really good games, and then you kind of disappear for a while. But Miles Carr, too, uh, went to – he was, he was a quarterback fairly recently. Like, wasn't even in the spring. Was he still a quarterback? Yeah, he was right in there in the quarterback competition uh, with Brian Burrell in the spring. And after Kinnett came in, they made the decision uh, after the spring to move him to receiver. So he didn't even get to work there in the spring at receiver. He came into camp his first time. And within a week or two, he was already impressing. And uh, He's athletic, but he told me he'd never played receiver, not even in high school, no tournaments in high school over the offseason. But he's kind of caught on really fast and he'll probably see some reps on Saturday there. That'll be interesting. There's some parallels with USC where Ajane Harris from Crenshaw High School played quarterback and cornerback throughout his high school career. He told me he hadn't played uh, wide receiver since Pop Warner, and he's listed now as a true freshman as one of the three starting wide receivers for USC. Just has just has his natural ability. Looks like a natural receiver, so it's funny that he hasn't played it for a really long time. For Miles Carr's situation, it sounds like he's never played it, so he doesn't even have, like, Pop Warner days to kind of rely on. That's right, yeah. He's just (laughs) been – well, the good thing for him, though, is that he's had Greg Watson, who made the same transition a year ago, to lean on for advice, and he's really been helping him along. That that might be one of the big reasons that he's progressed so fast. Uh, And for uh, Marcel Jensen replacing the tight end spot, that guy, if people haven't saw him, I mean, he was, like, 6'7", or something, this really big guy. I don't know if he's – if he made an NFL roster, if he's if he got caught, I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe give an update there. But what's going on with the tight end position? Uh, well, with the Jensen, last I heard, uh, he did get picked up by Jacksonville Jaguars uh, as a free agent. I'm not sure exactly where, what his standing is right now at this point in the preseason. But, uh, yeah, tight end, I don't think you'll see a whole lot of tight end play from Fresno State, even as talented as Marcel Jensen was. I believe he only had about 400 yards or so. And there's there's really no one really with experience behind him there is one guy riley barnes who's listed first on the depth chart who was out all last year with the arm injury uh 
there's another guy who's six foot eight, Jaron McClendon, who at that size, you might think they'll put in the slot a time or two, but no signs point to him really playing a lot. And there's two freshmen on the team as well who may, may be traveling with the team at that position. But I'd expect to see more of Fresno State either going with two slot receivers or two uh, players in the backfield rather than using a tight end. Okay. Um, the quarterback spot. Uh Wanted to see where you were. I think people saw uh, Riley from last year kind of came in. He was really late. I mean, fall, comes in fall camp, boom, you're an instant starter. And he, you know, he kind of he had uh, some growing pains, I guess, last year. But where does Fresno State stand with the cornerback spot right now? Yeah, uh, last year at the by the time they hit the bowl game, the depth was already a problem at corner, and it just continued to to pile on top of it towards the end of the year. Uh, I believe Jonathan Norton, who was a former walk-on at five foot seven, started in that game and was responsible for c- covering USC's talented receivers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as everyone who saw that game saw, uh, it was not the best matchup for Fresno State. The there hasn't really been two guys that have stood out for Fresno State at corner, but they have added a lot of depth. Uh, there's six guys listed on the depth chart, I think, at corner, all with the or label next yeah. to it, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one of those guys is Charles Washington, who was the starting safety for the majority of the season, but did start at corner uh, in that bowl game. And that's kind of the one question mark. Uh, he'll either be at safety or at corner, according to the coaches. Uh, that'll be a game time decision. And uh, you've got about five other guys that you might even see rotated in at corner. That was the thing uh, last year. Curtis Riley, he came in so late and he struggled a bit, but they had no second option really after that. And the coaches have been adamant that they have several guys that they think that can fill that spot, and they're going to be rotating them in uh, next guy up if they're struggling. Yeah, so they have, if I'm reading this right, they have Charles Washington slated to be the starting safety, but also as an or with Curtis Riley and Jamal Ellis as one of the starting cornerbacks as well. He can't really play both at the same time, I don't think. No. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm reading that wrong, but yeah, that's kind of an interesting decision. Yeah, and the big thing for Fresno State is that when they made that move at the end of the season, uh, Dalen Jones, who's the third safety, he played very well in the championship game and played decent in the bowl game. So they have a lot of confidence where if they want to put Washington at corner, Dalen Jones is going to play well at safety too. Okay. Um, I think there's a kind of similar situation, I guess, on the defensive line with one of the studs there, Tyler Davidson, but uh, there's only one of him, so he can't play both (laughs) spots. (laughs) Yeah. They've been working him at defensive end all spring and most of camp. He, he was a nose guard, though, for most or all of his career up until this point. Uh, re- they really just want to get their three best defensive linemen out on the field, and they know Tyler Davison is guy number one, and uh, defensive end Todd Hunt is number two. But they don't know who that third guy is, and if he's uh, Maurice Poyadu at guard, then they'll leave Davison out on the end. If it's uh, Nathan Madsen, then... Uh, uh, he's a redshirt freshman. He would be a defensive end, and they put Davison back at nose. So, but I expect to see uh, both of those combinations on Saturday with Davison at the end and at the nose with those guys rotating in and out. Okay, but he'll probably not come off the field if he's if he can stand. <laughs> he's probably going to be playing because he's he's definitely watch him. So if USC fans watch number ninety two, he's a guy that just loves to make. Play. He makes a lot of plays, and he's just fun to watch. Um. As far yeah. Yeah, if you agree, uh, unless you don't agree with that. No, absolutely. Yeah, he, <laughs> <laughs> he's a big guy at six two three oh nine. 
he's about uh, as, as good of a nose guard as you can ask for for a school like Fresno State, and he takes up a lot of space in their 3-4 defense. Um, at the linebacker spot, would you, I mean, there's a couple seniors, a couple juniors starting. I mean, there's a lot of recognizable names there. Would you think this is the most – I guess it's the – would you say the strength of this defense right now, the linebackers, or would you think it's a different one? Yeah, definitely the linebackers. They return all four starters who all put up uh, really good stats last year. Uh, Donovan Lewis and uh, Edro Edirine at the outside linebacker spots are really talented guys. Uh, Edirine, I believe, had 10 sacks last year. Wow, yeah. And with the offenses keying on him, I think it's going to open up Lewis, too, who's a a fourth-year guy. Uh, And then in the middle, you've got uh, Carl Mickelson and Kyrie Wilson. Uh, who who uh, took over for seniors last year? They they bumped them off the depth chart and took over the starting spots and uh, believe that they were like uh, top two of the top three guys in tackles on the team last year. And they uh, added some depth too. Uh, definitely too deep at these spots. Uh, Brandon Hughes is a guy at outside linebacker. You're going to see a lot of despite the talent already there. And you, two true freshmen who are going to be traveling with the team: Xavier Alutu and. Michael Lazarus are guys that are probably going to see quite a bit of snaps too on the inside. A couple of Southern California guys too, I believe, right? Right. Yeah. Xavier Lutu, I believe is uh, from the San Diego area and he is on the two deep at middle linebacker. Oh, okay. Um, I wanted to do special teams as well. There was some kicker controversy, I guess. Uh, freshman kicker Colin McGuire from last year came on and, and just did it. seemed like it did a really good job, but what, what's going on with the kicker situation and special teams in general? Yeah, McGuire, uh, he was not with the team for, I believe, the first uh, two or so weeks. Uh, he was dealing with a family issue back in his uh, Texas home. But he has joined the team uh, now, and he's been working out, and he's definitely the best kicker on the team as far as field goals go. Uh, he is going to hand over the kickoff duties to the punter, Garrett Swanson, who has he had a very good season last year. Uh, the biggest problem for Fresno State was a kickoff coverage for sure. Last year it was a uh cringeworthy at times to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i talked to coach deruder today and i've talked to coach germano and the big thing who is the special teams coach and the big thing with them is that uh, they feel like they've added a lot more depth with their defense and guys that are on the second and third teams who can provide uh, assistance with the kickoff coverage and they don't have to depend on their starters getting hurt in kickoff situations how's the return game look so far yeah, well, Isaiah Burris, of course, was the big-time punt returner for so many years. Uh, he's gone, of course. It looks like they're going to have Curtis Riley back there returning punts. We, we haven't seen him do that, I don't believe. But he's a very talented athlete. Uh, they kind of just – he could really play a multitude of positions on this team, and he should be a, a worthy returner for punting. And uh, on the kick returns, Demari Scott, who we mentioned earlier, the receiver, is slated to do kick returns. Uh, he got a little bit of action last year and uh, didn't impress a whole lot, but uh, there should be some improvement there with him. Okay, and then just one last thing for you, uh, Jackson Jackson Moore from BarkBoard.com joining us on the show. Uh, there was some controversy about Steve Sarkeesian making a comment about trying to refer to uh, Coach Tim DeRuder, and he uh, I believe it was Mike McIntyre, who's the coach mm-hmm. of Colorado, said that the the wrong name there. And I, I don't know, did you get to talk to Tim DeRuder about this? And did did he say anything? What what's going on there on the Fresno's perspective of what Steve Sarkeesian said? <laughs> yeah, that's a, kind of a thing that Coach DeRuder doesn't even kind of acknowledge. He's just focused on his team really, and he 
but I think it's more something for the fans for bulletin board that <laughs> the opposing coach doesn't even know who their coach is. And the <laughs> Fresno fans are always looking for the, that reason to get excited for USC on top of the obvious reasons already. Yeah. Are there a lot of Fresno state fans going to come down to make the trip you think? Yeah. Uh, I think um, they, they've definitely sold about, I think four or 5,000 tickets just through the school. And there's going to be a lot of fans that are going through USC or getting their tickets on game day for sure. I expect uh, quite a few thousand fans down there. Nothing like the 2005 game, but still a, a decent showing from the red wave. Okay. And then just the last thing, just your thoughts on how you think this game's going to go. What do you think, what do you think is going to happen out there? Yeah, it's really interesting. It's week one. It's kind of a, a crazy week in college football. It seems like a lot of the times the teams are kind of trying to figure each other out in the first quarter, figuring out what they're going to do. But with this team, with these two teams both running up-tempo offenses, there's going to be a lot more opportunities to do that. And uh, But at the end of the day, I, I just think USC is way too talented for this matchup. Even if uh, they have a slow start, they're going to be able to exploit some mismatches. And Fresno State's going to have a lot of uh, figuring out to do with their quarterback situation. Uh, it's just, uh, I expect, I expect it to be maybe not a blowout, but I think USC ha- handles this game pretty easily. All right. Jackson Moore from barkboard.com does a great job up there. Check it out. Thank you so much, Jackson. And, uh, hopefully we'll get to talk to you again down the road. We'll just, you know, kind of get a feel for what's going on with Fresno state. Two teams play each other and there's a lot on the, a lot on the line down the road of, both teams go on a run. It's kind of in each team's interest for the other team to do well. So we could be talking to you again down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And with uh, Utah and Nebraska coming up, Fresno State will have uh, two more manageable games, I think, than USC. They make some noise uh, right afterwards. Yeah, USC's playing Stanford. Fresno State's going to go out and play Utah and Nebraska. So not an easy slate for both these teams to start the season. But thanks again, Jackson, for coming on the show. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. All right, everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast, special USC Fresno State preview edition of the podcast. We'll be back on Thursday with our recruiting, turned up USC recruiting podcast. Stay tuned for that. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.